Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. I appreciate Ronnie picking some of the songs that we sing in praise time. This is one of the songs that we just got through singing. I'd never heard it. And uh, Susie said, Susie and Sandra, this is a song that they sang this week at their conference. This is a song that they sing on Wednesday nights in our youth department. And, and I know some of, you know some of us, this may have been the first time we've heard that one. But I'm glad that God uses uh, all the different age groups in, in our worship and our time together. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. I always try to have a an eye-catching title. And uh, pitch is the way to go. We're going to look at that word this morning. And Just like many other words in our English language, that word has a variety of meanings, and we're going to look at the scriptures this morning and see what this word might mean to us. It's a word that they use here in the the scriptures that we're going to be looking at this morning. I mentioned last week we're only a couple of Sundays away from Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we're looking forward to that, and I wanted to relate some messages that are going to apply and kind of go along with as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. And this is one of those. And this is going to probably kind of be uh, different a little bit. We're going to be looking at the event in the Bible about Noah and him building the ark and how it applies to the resurrection. Now, some people might say, well, wow, that's a mighty far reach. But when we look this morning at the scriptures and we look up this word pitch, I think we're going to be surprised at what we find. So let's begin first of all and look at what the let's look at the storyline and what's taking place. This is probably a scripture that has been taught to kids when they from the time they get in nursery and uh, at the church. I mean, this is a This is an event in the Bible that is foretold many, many times throughout our life, our our lifetime. As we come up from from nursery into the first and second grade, I'm sure our teachers are teaching this. Uh, They get up to junior high and elementary and and they're taught this. They get up to high school. This is a familiar event that takes place. I think that you will probably go, wow, I've never heard this before. When it comes to this scripture, I think I've spoke on it one time before here at Soda, but let's look at the the event that takes place here in uh, chapter 6 of Genesis. Verse number 5 is where we're going to begin. It says there, And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowl of the air, for it repented me 
that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now listen to this next verse. This is a, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord is a scripture that we, we normally, somebody has heard that and it's, remember it. But notice what it says in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Now, when we look up at that other scripture, it says, And every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only on evil continually. But then there was a man named Noah who walked with God, who had conversation with God, who prayed, who sought God. Uh, the Bible says, it says, And he was perfect uh, in his generation. That does not mean that he was without sin, but it meant his relationship with God was a just relationship. Verse number 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. I want you to know, you think there's violence in Chicago? I mean, I, I forget how many murders they have experienced a day. I mean, it's something... It, it, I forget how many they have last year, 500 to 700, somewhere in there. I mean, several a day are being killed. I want you to know that does not even compare with the violence that was taking place on the earth at this time. Verse 12, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So, this is the command that God gives Noah Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. There's that word that we're going to be focusing on here in just a few minutes. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be. I'm going to just add our numbers that we understand here. The length of the ark shall be 450 feet, and the breadth of, the, of it uh, 75 feet, and the height of it 45 feet. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and in the cubit, or 18 inches, shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower seven, uh, lower second and third stories which thou make of it. And behold, I, even I, I do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven and everything that is on the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. So when we look at this, I think everybody understands the concept of what's taking place here. The earth has gotten so bad that it grieved God. When the word is used, repented, it God repented, it does not mean that God had sinned and he had to change it, or that he'd done something that he wasn't supposed to do. It's not at all what it means. But it grieved God that he'd gotten to the state that it was. Now, now this is going to be a question in my Sunday school class next week. One of the questions is, well, if it grieved God to the point that it was so bad, why didn't God just go ahead and destroy the whole earth? Why did he even save Noah and his family? If it grieved God to the point, well, you need to understand that God has already promised when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, 
and God was having conversation with the serpent, which we know as Satan, he gave him a promise. He said, the seed of woman is going to bruise your head. In other words, the day is going to come when I am going to rise up one that the righteous one, which would be Jesus Christ, and he's going to bruise your head. God had already made a promise that that day would be coming. So it was God could not destroy the earth. Therefore, he looked at the earth and he found one. And God showed his grace and poured his grace out on a man named Noah. So we look at this and we see this. We say, okay, God told Noah, he said, Noah, I want you to build an ark and I want you to build it. And it's going to be uh, 450 feet long. It's going to be 75 feet wide. And it's going to be 45 feet tall. And this is what I want you to do. And when you get through building the three floors in this ark, and you have built rooms in it, I want you to notice what it says in verse number 14. In verse number 14 it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, I think this makes perfect sense. If I were to ask you, what is this pitch? I think all of us would probably come up with the same, the same answer. This is something that we're going to put on the outside of the ark and the inside of the ark. And what's it supposed to do? Keep the water out. Keep the water out. That's the whole purpose of him telling him to pitch it inside and out. Now, let me take a little time out here. And you kids taking notes. I've talked to you how you take notes. Some of you turn the page over. This is a little time out. But this has still got something to do with what we're talking about this morning. I failed English in the, in the eighth grade. I barely made it into high school. I'm a very poor person when it comes to writing correct grammar. I still do not know when to use the word to when it comes to writing a sentence. There is T-O, and then there is T-O-O. I, I don't know when you use them. I always just, I never use the word T-O-O. I don't know when you're supposed to use it, okay? And don't care to know. Alright? But in the English language, that's not the only two twos. You can write the word two, T-W-O. We even have a symbol for the word two. And you know the numerical symbol for two. So when it comes to the English language, I want you to know all of these words are pronounced the same and each one of them have a different word or a different purpose. All right, I was trying to think of some more words. And I mean, there's all kinds of words. There. I, I, I'm telling you, I write the word there. T-H-E-R-E. I don't care if it's their house or I'm going over there. It's T-H-E-R-E. I don't know when to write the other spelling. I'm just... That's why I failed English, all right? Through. I'm going to take my car through that mud hole. Or this man is going to, he threw a ball. Completely two different words 
two different meanings, one pronunciation. So what we're going to do here this morning, I'm going to look up this word pitch, and I hope you understand. This scripture originally was not written in the English language. It was written in the Hebrew language. I have never been to any kind of seminary. I've never been to any kind of Bible school teaching. But I want you to know every single one of us in this room have access to a Strong's Concordance. If you've got a a computer, you've got access to it. If you want to know what the original word meant... When you read the scriptures, it will tell you what that word or the intention of that word means. Because I want you to know when I look at this word, there are several definitions of this word. And I want you to know when I read and talk about the story and what Noah done, he went and took a tar-like substance. And this is what I want you... This is the picture I want you to get. We've got a storm coming this afternoon. All right? Let's just pretend. Let's pretend that the storm we're fixing to get out here, it's going to raise the water levels outside this room right here six feet. And we're going to try to protect ourselves from the storm that's going to be raging outside these walls. And I am telling you, let's get a bucket of pitch. And before the storm gets here, let's go coat about six feet up on the outside. Let's come, all of us come on the inside, get us a bucket of pitch, and let's coat the inside of this this one room here. And when the storm comes and the water rises, it will keep the water outside this room, and we will all be safe. Can you get that picture in your mind? Basically, that's what what, uh, Noah was called to do. Pitch this ark. It's going to take Noah 120 years to build this ark. And when he gets done building it, he is to take this tar-like substance and he is to put it on the outside and he is to put it on the inside and that is going to keep the water from penetrating the inside of this ark. It's going to keep him safe. Listen to this. I want to use this word and there's a reason that I'm using this word. This pitch and this 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 ark that he is building is going to save him. You hear me? It's going to save him. You keep that thought in your mind. So the reason that we, in the English language, and the reason that we need to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved is for a situation just like this. Now, when you look up there on the Scriptures, you're going to see I've got some references And in these references, it uses this word pitch. Reference number one is Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3. And this is what it says. Now, I'm not going to read it, okay? I'm going to to just give you the story. uh, Moses had a mom and a daddy that gave birth to him when he was in Egypt. The law in that day of the land was, if you had a boy baby, the Egyptian king was afraid of the nation of Israel. And they said, you put that baby to death. Well, Moses' mama was not too excited about that idea. She looked at her little boy named Moses and said, My goodness gracious, this is a fine young man. I will not put him to death. So she was going to rescue him. The Bible says that she went and she took 
and made him an ark of bulrushes. In other words, these reeds that grew along the side of the Nile River. She made a basket out of these bulrushes and the Bible said she pitched it to keep it waterproof. Okay? Now, I think we understand that, right? We understand what it means to pitch this little basket. She put that tar-like substance on the inside of that basket, on the outside of that basket. Then she probably laid a cloth on the inside of that basket to keep the tar-like substance off of him, placed him in this basket, and set him in the water. And that's what kept that basket afloat, was the tar that kept the water out. The second scripture reference, what we see there, is in Numbers chapter 1 and verse 52, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they started going into the wilderness area and camping, it says there, he says, now listen, I want this group of people to pitch their tents. Now what does that word mean? It doesn't mean tar or asphalt. To pitch your tents means to make an abode. It's to build up. When you go through and you look at that definition, completely different than asphalt or tar or this black substance to pitch a tent. We understand what it means to pitch a tent. I was in the Boy Scouts. Hey, go outside and pitch your tent. Completely different word. Completely different word. Completely different meaning. All right? Here is the third one. Exodus chapter 12 in verse 22 and 23. This is when the children of Israel, or, or Noah gets off of the ark. The people begin to multiply. And it says they were building a tower that would reach unto God. If you remember, the Tower of Babel. I think we're all familiar with that. And it says that they took bricks and they took mortar. Now, the mortar that they used was the word slime. In the King James Version, you're going to see that word slime, which is a version of the word pitch. So what they used for mortar, they would take these bricks and they would put them together and they would take this slime or this mortar or this tar-like substance and they would build and that was the mortar that they were using. Do you see what I'm saying? Chad even brought one to my attention this morning that I didn't even realize. If What is the pitch on your roof? What does that word mean? It's, it's an angle. It's a slope. Completely different word for these different meetings. Well, this is what happens. Listen to this. This is what happens when you look up the word right here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14. The word pitch means to keep the water out, okay? It was a substance that they put on there. But I want you to know what the meaning of that word was. Listen to the meaning of that word. When you look up the word about when, when Moses' mama was putting that stuff on the outside of that basket, it was not this word. When they built the, the bricks and stuff and put them together, it was not this word. But when Noah put the pitch on the inside and the outside of that ark, listen to the definition. If you look in your Strong's Concordance, you're going to see that the definition of this one word goes a column and a half to describe this one word. Listen to these words. Seventy-one times in the Scripture where this word is translated 
and from the Hebrew into the English language, where we find the word pitch in our English Bible, 71 times they use the word atonement instead of the word pitch. Seven times they use the word purge. Four times the word reconciliation. Three times the word reconcile. Three times the word forgive. Two times the word purge away. Two times to pacify. Two times atonement made. Two times to purge away. Two times merciful. One time cleansed. One time disannulled. One time to appease. One time to put off. One time to pardon. And one time to pitch. So somebody tell me, is the main meaning of this word pitch to put a tar-like substance on the outside and the inside of that ark to keep the water out? Oh, I hope, you, I hope you're getting this picture. Kids, I hope you're getting this picture. Because what's on the outside of that ark... What's on the outside of that ark, God is fixing to flood the earth and destroy the earth. God is bringing judgment. God is bringing wrath upon this world because of the violence and because of the sin. And I want you to know when Noah took his paintbrush or his roller and he began to roll the sides of that, I want you to know he was rolling up the atonement of God. He was, he was purging out. He was forgiving. All of this is what is taking place on the inside and the outside of that ark. What was... What was keeping out the wrath and the judgment of God was this pitch. But understand, that pitch, the definition of that word, is the atonement. It is the forgiveness. I want you to know Noah was on the inside and God's wrath was on the outside. Noah was on the inside and the judgment of God was on the outside. And when the waters came and it began to rain and the seas and the springs began to burst open, I want you to know that ark that Noah and his family was in because of the atoning and the forgiving and the purging, Noah was saved from the judgment. He was saved from the wrath. He was saved because of what was applied on the outside and the inside of that ark. Now, is that a picture that you've ever seen before? This is not just a story about how God rescued mankind. He saved the earth so that mankind would flourish I want you to know this is a testimony of what took place on the cross some 4,000 years later or 3,000 years later when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus is the definition. His blood is the definition of atonement. His blood is the definition of cleansing us. His blood is the definition of the purging of our sin. His blood is the definition of the reconciliation of us. So when we look at the story of the ark and where we're talking about Resurrection Sunday and what takes place on the cross, understand this. That this story is a, a shadow of the things that were to come. That Jesus Christ is our propitiation. You know what that word propitiation stands for? 
to stand between. The judgment of God is here. And Jesus Christ stands between us and the judgment of God. Jesus Christ stands between us and the the cost of sin that we have in our lives. Jesus Christ is the one that stands between. We we can keep from having the wrath of God and and the judgment of God in our lives if we apply the blood of Jesus in our lives. I hope you've got this picture clear in your mind of what took place on that ark. The condition of the world outside was total depravity. I mean, you would think, you would think mankind would just get better and better and better. Over the years, we would see the the failures of our family, the failures of our friends, and we would increase and our morality would get greater and greater and greater. Is that what is taking place? I'm telling you, the world and the morality of the world is getting worse and worse and worse. We would think it would go the other way. I want you to know people teach that. They teach that mankind, as we continue, we get better and better and better. We're we're not. We're not. And I want you to know when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He says, but while you were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. He didn't wait till we got better and better and better because He knew it was going to get worse and worse and worse. He says, but yet while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He, he died on the cross for your sin. I, I didn't. If you'll continue to read through Acts, uh, Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 7. I'm not going to look up the scripture, but let me, let me tell you what happened when, when God brought Noah and put him on the ark. We, we know most of the story. Uh, I think you will be surprised when you go and find out the story that you've been taught year after year after year. And, and he told Noah to go and get two of each kind and bring on the ark. If you study, you're going to find out that there were several animals that he took seven of. But, you know, we, I, I find that very interesting that a lot of people don't know that. that. That are, you know, Christians that say they study the Bible and they don't realize that that's in there. But this is what God done here on this ark. When God, when Mo, or, or Noah built this ark for 120 years and when he had brought it to full completion... There was a day and God said, Noah, now you and the animals that I have sent to you and your family and the food that you have stored on this ark, I want you to get in the ark. And when he got in the ark, and you've heard me preach this one time before here, how many days did God leave the door to the ark open? Seven days. Why didn't God say, okay, Noah, get on the ark and your family and your animals. Okay, I'm done with these people. Slam the door. No. Let me tell you, the people in that neighborhood saw Noah build this ark for 120 years and then Noah went on board and the people around there were going, well, he finally went in. He didn't come out yesterday at all. He didn't come out the day before that at all. Do you want to know why God left that door open for seven days? I want you to know he was showing the world mercy. 
He was showing the, more, the world grace. And that door was open for anyone on this earth to walk up and they could have freely walked upon the salvation. The walls were coated with redemption, atonement, forgiveness. They could have walked in any time they wanted to. But after seven days and no one replied to the message that Noah had preached for 120 years, you'll find that that he preached in the book of Hebrews. He preached all those years. No one replied to the invitation. And it was then that God closed the door. And it began to rain. And the ground began to break open. And the water spilled upon the earth. And the wrath of God and the judgment of God came upon the earth. But the pitch that was on the walls kept the wrath of God and the judgment of God on the other side and because that Noah built this ark and exhibited his faith he was saved from the destruction of all the earth because of the pitch let me hear it because of the pitch it was the pitch that represented the atonement and the redemption and the price paid. That word pitch also means ransom. There was a price paid that caused Noah to be set free. Now, Brother Wayne, how are you applying this or relating this to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 3. And I'll, I'll take the time also to turn to Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. <coughs> well, we could just back up one verse. That's the verse that so many of us have memorized over the years. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us deserve to be on the other side of that wall. All of us deserve to die. All of us are condemned because of our sin. For all have sinned and we come short of the glory of God. Verse number 24 says this, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God hath sent forth to be a propitiation or to make that payment through faith in His what? In His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 says, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be justified, and the justifier of whom, of him, which believeth in Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you. I, 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 I've got to paint this picture in my head. I want you to know, just me preaching, I have already painted that we have put pitch on the inside and the outside of this room, and this afternoon in my mind... I'm thinking about what happened down in, was it in Columbia where the mudslide came through that town and wiped out 250 people and, and I mean just wiped. I, I got it in my mind right now. A storm is going to come this afternoon 
And because of what we've done to these outside walls, God said, if I will apply this pitch, that he's going to protect me as long as I stay in here. I'm going to be protected. I got this in my mind. And then I read this scripture and he says, listen. He says, I have provided redemption and I am, I am your propitiation right now through the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know when we believe and apply that blood to the inside of us and to the outside of us, I want you to know, just like I said, what that ark done for Noah, you will be saved because of the application of the blood of Jesus on our lives, on the inside and on the outside. It's not enough to know the story. We've got to apply the blood of Jesus. Remember when, remember when Noah, Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember that? That reference is up here. And he said, listen, the death angel is going to pass through. And if you will take the blood and you will apply it on the doorpost and the lintel above, when the death angel or the judgment of God comes, he will pass over you. Let me tell you. If you didn't apply the blood to the doorpost and the lintel, when the death angel come, it affected your family because you didn't apply it. This is what 1 Peter verse 1 and 18 says. For as much as you know that we were not redeemed with the corruptible things such as silver and gold from our vain conversations received by the traditions from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ of the Lamb without blemish or without spot. First John 2 and 2 says, And He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment for, he, for our sins. He has redeemed us, and not of ourselves only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We stand accountable for our sins. The people of the earth stood accountable for their sins on the day that God closed the door to that ark. I want you to know God left the door open so that anyone that desired to believe what Noah preached could have stood on that ark with him. And they refused. I'm here to declare this morning, if you take the blood of Jesus and you apply it to your life by believing that God sent him, that he lived a sin-free life, that he died on the cross, he gave himself, he paid that debt, he became your propitiation, your, his, the stand between, between you and the judgment of God. If you believe what he done, if you believe that he died on the cross because he loved you, if you believe that when they put him in the grave, he overcame that and he is now resurrected, sitting at the right hand of the Father, if you believe that and apply that to your life, I want you to know you shall be saved. My goodness, the story of the ark, the story of the Passover, the story of the crucifixion. I want you to know God has put it all through the Scripture so you won't miss it. You won't miss it. Very scary verse in the Bible in Romans 1.18 it tells us that there will not be a single man that's lived on this earth that will have an excuse for not believing. He's done it all. He's done it all. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. The judgment outside these walls 
The wrath of God. The judgment outside these... The wages of being outside these walls are death or total separation from God. But the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life only through Jesus Christ and the blood. I wrote down a couple of songs that we sing. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right, listen, that's, that's what we've got to apply on the inside and the outside. That's the payment. That's the pitch is the way to go. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners fall beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains. It's the blood. It's the blood that has to be applied. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Have you been to Jesus for a cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh my goodness, we sound like a bunch of cultists talking about the blood. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. John told the disciples, he says, he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Why the Lamb? It was the Lamb's blood that was used as a sacrifice to stand between the wrath of God and the people of Israel from the days that the law was put into conception. After the cross, we put our faith and trust in the one Jesus Christ. Listen, when a church concedes to the things of the world and you stop believing and putting your faith in the blood. If you take out all of this part in the Bible about the blood, they've taken every opportunity to take men to salvation through Jesus. It's the blood that was shed for you and I that we have salvation today. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the message. And God, I want to thank you so much for what you put in your word. You don't just tell us one time, but you give us pictures over and over and over. Uh, even in, even in the, the ark, we see the rapture of your people. We see that right there. We see through your, when you, when you took Enoch and you made him walk with you, Again, we see the picture of the rapture. You just So many times you just show us all of these things through the Scripture over and over and over. And just like what we're talking about this morning, the redemptive power of your blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us. What a wonderful picture we see that in this word pitch when we read the story of Noah. God, I want to thank you that you've made it so evident to us this morning. That it's so clear. And God, I want to thank you that you've made salvation so simple. Your grace and our faith. 
I want to thank you for that. Now, God, I pray that you'll use this time as we've assembled together this morning. and We'll make a proper decision for you during this invitation. The invitation that you offer for us to accept. The invitation for us to come back into service for you. The invitation to volunteer to serve you as servants here. Whatever the need this morning, I want to give it to you as we stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.